0: Hi everyone, welcome to Frontier Faith, a podcast where it's okay not to know, not to know what you believe, not to know why you believe it. We say that because there's just such a high emphasis on people knowing where they are in their faith life, and their faith journey, and we've just come to realize that it's a little bit more complicated than that. But what matters the most as we transition in the different ways that we think about faith, to live out our faith, is that we have others that are walking with us. And you have two here on this podcast walking with you as we try to figure things out and talk them through. And my name is Nathan Whitaker.
1: And my name's Ryan Harris.
0: And today we're gonna continue our conversation on our project. We've been talking about our commitments, commitment to difference or diversity, a commitment to unity, and finally a commitment to the process. We've also found some goals that we wanted to follow, goals in the way that we live out our community life together and what we're trying to achieve. And those were the first three podcasts of this season, really of this year, too, of 2021. Uh, And we're going to continue that as far as it takes us. And today, we really want to spend some time and ask a simple question. Uh, what the hell are we even talking about? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) What are we actually trying to do? Uh, We got the commitments out of the way because if we're going to do anything, we wanted to understand a little bit about what we were seeking and pursuing. But I think it's time for us to really start talking about some of the concretes.
1: So with all that said, um, we're we're kind of trying to engage this today with the while admitting that we're still feeling around in the dark here. We have some ideas that we just kind of want to talk about, talk through, um, see what implications might come up, or just, you know, not necessarily problems, but maybe. Um, just because, like, in order, in order to do anything concrete with these things we've been talking about, we have to start kind of narrowing the parameters somewhat, um, even though this may not be something we run right into anytime soon. Um, so I guess which one, I mean, so how do we want to start this, Nate? What's the, what's the best way to do this? You think?
0: Well, I think starting with the obvious one, the one people talk to me about and ask me and and then give input right away. I think we should talk about our, I think we should consider, are we talking about a a church? Are we talking about starting a church somewhere?
1: Um, I mean, we have talked about that, not in the concrete sense like we're going to do it, but I mean, I think that it we'd have to, if, to be honest, we'd have to say that has been, you know, considered, right? It, it would be in some ways the most concrete or most natural outflow of some of these ideas that we've had, right? Because we are coming from backgrounds with things in churches that have caused problems or still do. And, you know, we've been on these journeys for various reasons, but a hefty dose of which has been (laughs) abuse, you know, wounds, whatever. So I mean, on the one hand, I could see why people say that because it I mean, it would make sense. And it would be kind of nice if a church existed somewhere that had these kinds of things that well, another church I, I imagine one does somewhere, <laughs> but like yeah. another kind another church that where you could go and do these kind of things we're talking about. so that was my long winded way of saying, yes, I think that is an a possibility on the list of possibilities,
0: Well, I think it's really a concrete solution to a lot of our problems, right? Because we, we've we talked about how churches have preached about things, how they've taught about things, how they live life together in certain ways. And at the very least, we can say if we were put ourselves into a context where we've started a church, um, we would at least know what we're not going to do. We would yeah. at least know what avenue we wouldn't pursue, what action we wouldn't uh, perform, what thing we wouldn't say, and um, we would would be able to improve simply from that. I think we'd do more than that, but the baseline would certainly be if we started a church, we would at least know what not to do, and it would give us kind of a fresh, clean slate, I think.
1: Yeah, and I think that so let's just talk about this for a few minutes and see where it goes i don't know that we need to say like here's all the problems with that because i think plenty of problems would present themselves just fine right (laughs) like with anything else but i more think of like so we talked about things like being somewhere that people can explore together rather than being more top down here's what we believe kind of thing so i wonder like just to take that one for an example how would something like that look in a church context? I mean, would you even have sermons, you know, or would it would it be something different? I mean, how, you know what I mean, like what would that even look like?
0: Yeah. I think there's actually a model for this. Uh, and we're not going to get too much into the weeds with this. but, Doug Padgett up in Minnesota had a church called Solomon's Porch. Um, I don't know if he's still part of that. He was doing a huge anti-Trump thing this past year.
1: I've heard of him, but I, I don't know about the church. Yeah.
0: So he has this wonderful series of books called uh, Something in the Inventive Age. So it'd be preaching, community, mm-hmm. there there are a few of them. And he, he supposes that there's this new age beyond uh, where we are currently, which would be kind of like the tech media age, and he's calling it the inventive age. Um, it's got a lot of postmodern threads. It's got a lot of things that you would notice. And the way that he preaches is actually the way I, I'm trying to get to. I would really, really love to preach this way. And the way that he does it is he um, he starts off with a biblical text. And he's got two things that he does with this. One is he meets with people on a certain night uh, before the actual preaching event on Sunday, and they talk through the text. And, uh, you know, he had to create a rhythm where people were used to doing this, and they would bring everything. All It wasn't supposed to be structured. It was like, here's something I read, and this is what made me what it made me think, or Mm -hmm. this is what somebody said to me about this text. And now I'm kind of questioning, do I really believe that, you know, just really everything about that text, and they'd bring it in. And, uh, you know, they had a, a time structure around that. But otherwise, it was just Okay. Asking the question, how's the spirit moving in this conversation? How are we getting to, you know, not an understanding of the text, but an appreciation of it and maybe what the spirit is saying to us specifically.
1: Yeah. Well, and I mean, so things, okay. So things like that exist and however you do that, I don't really want to talk about the particulars because that's not the point, but yeah, so there would be ways to do stuff like that, I guess is what,
0: what, yeah. Like, yeah. we could
1: figure that out together. You'd have to think about, oh, large number of things, depending on the makeup and all that. But I guess another question is, and it sounds like something like that is what you and I want. Do you think more people want that? That kind of, not just the preaching, but I mean, like, we want one where you explore together. Do you think that's what people want? Or is it just what we want? Because we do that kind of thing in life anyway?
0: that's a really good question. Uh, I have, I have my own thought. Maybe you're asking me so you don't answer, but I'm well, curious what you think.
1: We're think we're thinking this out together, but sure. Throw the question back to me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you, you did that. I did that to you. So it's only fair. <laughs> um, you know, I don't know for sure. I, I think that there are, it, it seems like to me, at least anecdotally that there are plenty of people out there who sure seem like they would want that besides just you and me. Um, I don't have any data, so I can't say for sure. But again, it feels like it tends to be younger people who want this kind of approach, but I don't think it's only them. I think, yeah, so I think think so. And maybe part of something like that would be, you know, you come into it with this kind of loose idea and kind of tailor it depending on what. People actually want as you discover. Like, I mean, the whole thing is about discovery anyway, right? Yeah. Um, so maybe it's something like that.
0: Well, and I think so. The way that I would answer the question is I think it's something more people want or at least that they're hungry for when they realize they can get it. It it's not everyone. I've certainly run into people who really just love the sage on the stage approach where mm-hmm somebody up there, the expert says something, and then they go home. And I think it's usually because um, they don't care to get involved too much. They just want some bite-sized thing to come home. Um, right.
1: And, you know, the other thing is the kind of thing we're talking about is more work for yes. everybody, right? So in the in the model we've grown up with, the pastor does the work all week for the sermon or whatever it is, the whole service even, and the people participate, most of them in some way, but the bulk of the work is done by either the pastor or the pastors and the staff, right?
0: right. Um,
1: and some people really want that. And I don't know if that's necessarily a, a, a bad thing, um, at least if that's in the mix somewhere, right? But I think part of what's tough is I wonder if not just about this kind of teaching or style or whatever, but I wonder if people would say, yeah, 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 that's what we want. And then you start doing it and they're like, no, 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 this is, I didn't want, this is not what I want, you know? Yeah. Um, but again, I guess that's part of the process of the whole. I
0: think it is because of some of the things we've talked about. You've got a lack of confidence that people are actually theologians, that they actually think and talk about God all the time. Mm-hmm. Um whether they are doing explicitly or otherwise. And they need confidence that, that, that uh, you know, it's okay not to know, as we say. It's okay to be wrong if that is such a thing. Um, so, you know, it's about creating culture to be there. But I also think that there's the whole shame and guilt thing, too, that... Mm. That's why it would require some work, especially with people who are so used to the narrative that we've been given. Mm-hmm. Is that, you know, if you say something that is, uh, quote unquote, heretical, you're not, the, hell's not going to open up beneath you, and God's not going to shove his, you know, fist on the ground and push you down into True. the depths. Right. Um, but a lot of people don't know that, or at least you—they know, know it may be in their brain, but they don't know that experientially, theological, spiritually, because of what's been going on in the church.
1: Yeah, it's—it's hmm. a, it's a like on the one. And I could see why this is an attractive idea to people and even to myself, right? Like like I said, partly because it's, oh, here's, I know what to do with these things we're feeling. And that's a big part of the attraction. And I think I imagine for people too, not just for like you or me. Um, people, I think there are plenty of people out there who recognize the problems we've pointed out. And so when you present them with, so here, we're going to start a church and do it differently. And it's going to be better. I mean, that's really easy to grasp onto, um, and probably participate in.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, it would make sense. I think one of the challenges, even if we don't have to go there necessarily yet, but one of the challenges is that if we do a church, then some of those, you know, uh, what do I want to say? Those, uh, automatic behaviors, expectations, they come with Mm -hmm. us as Mm -hmm. we do that because, you know, we might crave something, but, you know, if you're not intentionally moving that way, if you're not like on top of it all the time, it's very easy to just go back to the patterns that yeah. we had without even realizing it. Yeah. yeah, without even re- realizing it. So it would, again, not, nothing that we can't overcome, but it would be one of the significant challenges of a church because we're just so used to doing that. And if you bring a lot of different people into that church, mm-hmm. then you've got a lot of different ways of doing church where people are going to be expecting that that's going on uh, in this new thing. Right.
1: And I think we should say too, that if this were a thing, I don't know about you, but I don't, I'm not saying we wouldn't meet somewhere, but I, I don't imagine building giant churches to stuff with people, you know? Yeah. Um, I think that model needs to go away. I'm not saying that, There's never a place for large buildings for things. But generally speaking, I don't, I think I don't, I think we've talked about before is I don't want to just throw another veneer on the problem, you know, like I don't want to just paint over it a little bit and then think, gee, now isn't this so much better? Because I think the other question I have, and this is truly a question, it's not something I'm leading us to, is say we did something like that and say it worked, you know, nothing works perfectly, but let's say we were very happy with where it got to after a few years or whatever. It was growing and whatever that means. Is it enough though? Um, And what I mean by that is like the kind of problems we're talking about are not um, unique to the churches you and I have come from or the people who are listening have come from it seems pretty endemic. Is that the right word? Um, mm-hmm. like it's in the core of at least evangelical Christianity. I suspect there's some in our Catholic friends too, but I'll leave that to them. Cause I don't know enough to say, I mean, they got other problems, but anyway, <laughs> um, like part of me says, yeah, but that's an easy thing to do. And in some ways it almost feels like the easy way out, you know? Not not that I think that you and I are going to change evangelical christianity together single, well, double-handedly, but I just part of me feels like yeah, but I just don't know if that's enough.
0: Yeah, like so the thought that goes in my mind is to answer the question what the hell are we doing? Are we trying to create an oasis for some people, you know, forgive me, it's not going to be an oasis, but you know what I mean? It's like, is there a refuge from what Christianity has become? Is that what we're trying to do? Or are we trying to do something more? I
1: mean, I think it also depends on, and we don't know yet, (laughs) what do we think God is calling us to do? You know, I I went for just a Two years, I went to a very small church plant with some family members and and a pastor we all liked. And they ended up calling it Oasis, right? Because that was the idea. Uh, Most of them had been from a church that, you know, they'd had a really bad time at at the end. And so it made sense. And I'm not saying that that was bad or that if we did that, that would be bad. I think it's all like, is that what we feel God is taking us towards? Or, you know, I don't know, I think on this side of things, when we're not actually trying to do anything yet. <laughs> my <laughs> initial reaction is that doesn't feel like enough to me, even though I'm not trying to be i uh, uh, I'm not trying to be like Luther, or Calvin or Zwingli or whoever, you know?
0: Yeah, not Zwingli, but
1: <laughs> hey, You don't even probably know that much about him.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know he's bad because he's
1: whatever. (laughs) Yeah, well, because Luther was such a a (laughs) well-mannered, kind individual.
0: (laughs) Um, Yeah, it feels like if we were to do a church, it would be a step to something more. Yeah, that could um, be too. At the very least. Uh, And you're right. I think that I wonder the same thing. Is it just... And I wonder that because it feels kind of selfish. It feels kind of not like totally in the wrong, like I'd feel shame and guilt about it. But as you say, um, the more that we do this, the more that I'm comfortable doing this in my own life, the more I realize, wow, this is like it's hitting a lot of people in similar places. Like a lot of people are dealing with this kind of problem. and. If we're going to, not that we're going to correct everything, as you say, but if we're going to just do something for ourselves, I think we're missing, missing something.
1: Well, yeah, because I, I'm just thinking about this as we're talking is because my goal with all of this is not necessarily to get people to go back to church, right? I, I mean, that's fine if they do. And I, there are good churches out there, few and far between, but they exist, right? feels like few and far between. I've not been to all of them. Um <laughs> but uh you know like the for me the goal feels more like something along the lines of i want people not partly to know that the gospel and jesus are not like they've been taught but not just to know it but like to actually start experiencing the kind of love we were told we were but we were doing the whole time growing up and then we all found wait a minute this has gone off the rails here yeah. like does that make sense like i don't honestly care if people sit in chairs or pews or whatever at a church again, as much as I, it's, it's, it's deeper than that, right? Like that's, again, that feels like a very surface issue for perhaps a bygone era. I don't know. Um, I think things have changed so much that I don't know that that's what I want to go back to.
0: Yeah. And if you think about it, like even, I love this, you already said this, but what, really the bygone era triggered in me was what would the end game be for this? Would yeah. it just be to like, are we thinking about having uh home churches throughout the entire United States? Are we thinking about having a mega church? I think both of you kind of, you know, get disgusted thinking about that as yeah, a possibility. No thanks.
1: hard pass,
0: <laughs> but what are we, what's the end game here is the end game, you know, that, one little church in a little area does something. And it's not that, you know, I'm seeking glory. I'd be happy that, that those lives of those people change, but. And like you said,
1: that could be something that you start at, but don't end at. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that there's something more going on here. And uh, I wonder if people are not, maybe not now, but will be, if we were to do something like this and actually, have a concrete idea they might be looking to us to to figure out some of these things of how they can do it in their own place especially right. if it were to be successful as a little church somewhere
1: yeah I, I i can't think of a good metaphor even though we usually come up with plenty most of which fall apart at some point <laughs> but it feels well maybe this works i don't know it feels like we we're not trying to build something we're necessarily i think we have to start with the healing part before we can like i feel like that's that's getting ahead of ourselves because like with um you know with hospice patients for example you don't go in there trying to like uh get them to walk again right (laughs) and i I don't know like maybe that doesn't quite work i think that's not right but i just take that part out that went the opposite of where i was thinking Okay. (laughs) I'm trying to say something like, I feel like we need to be um, helping people recover and it's too soon to start talking about building something. And by something, I mean like whether it's buildings or not, like I think we're more in the immediate need of people are hurting right now. What do we do? One of the things I'm struggling with here is that whether it's a church or not, some of this still feels cart before the horse to me. And what I mean by that is, um, I really think we're in more of a triage state. Um, I look around at the stories we've heard and we encounter some, like some of the ones we've had on here, or just our own, or whatever. And it seems like people are, like, in terms of the, in terms of conservative Christians, evangelicals, however you want to classify that, it seems like we've got a pretty big uh, wound that's bleeding and. We can't skip, like you can't skip that part if you're trying to save somebody, Mm -hmm. right? You can't, you can't just put a bandaid on it. You can't say, okay, they're bleeding out, but I'm going to fix their broken leg first, right? I I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if it feels like that to you, but to me, it kind of feels like that's where we are.
0: Does it feel like, like one of the things that I've been working through is, um, you know, the phases that. We need as people um, for any kind of change and one of them is certainly recognizing where we are and being okay with where we are Um, and I think to put those together it sounds like you're saying that a lot of people don't feel valued for where they are they don't feel like they fit in somewhere and if we were to do something concrete we need to first figure out how can we speak into that experience that experience of life of faith that uh you know this podcast is trying to do somewhat of it's okay not to know uh is that kind of getting where you're you're at
1: yeah i think so i think i wonder if maybe part of the problem is we need to let to to uh, quote Kylo Ren, we need to let the past die, right? Like maybe you know there are patients that you can keep working on, but you know they'll do CPR for a while, but the person's been dead, right? And are we trying to revive something that is already mm. dead? And you know I come from the theological world that talks about revival all the time, but for that to happen, something's got to die. So I don't know. That almost sounds too dramatic, but at the same time. I think what I struggle with is, I don't know, that's what it feels like to me, but I've had a pretty hard time with this part of the church. And maybe it has died for me, but I don't know if I can say it has across the board.
0: Well, I think the way I'm hearing this is that maybe what needs to die is one of our biggest assumptions about the church. And I don't remember if we talked about this, but the assumption of the church is that Christians come together to uh, be loved by God and Lutherans will say to receive word and sacrament, which is how we receive forgiveness, mercy, and grace. And your expression of the faith is heavier on this, where we desperately need it, of to do the work of God, to do His mission,
1: mm-hmm. and to experience that work. Yeah, for right. Us, you know. Yeah, yeah.
0: Maybe the assumption is, you know, it's so cliche, but it's so true. Maybe it needs to start with a different place, not this contractual agreement that we're in this together to do these things. But maybe what we're talking about is if we were to do a church, it would start from the image. that's just going through my mind is Jesus washing his disciples feet, that it would it would start with going into the lives and maybe it would never go anywhere else. But certainly start with going into people's lives who are like you and I who have signaled somewhere that they've been hurt by the church and to that's where i kind of draw a blank to do yeah what. i know
1: well and i wonder too if like maybe even before you get to the washing people's feet maybe and i don't know if you can do this on behalf of someone else but i feel like there's got to be some pretty real repentance right like this wrong has been done to uh take your pick, any group that's not straight white men. And honestly, plenty of straight white men have been hurt by the church too, you know? Um, So like whatever, whoever it is, like, I don't don't know because I don't wanna just be like, well, sorry, right? (laughs) On the other hand, it's like for any kind of healing and moving forward, like, I feel like there has to be an element of that. I just don't know how that looks. If you're gathering together, trying to gather together in whatever way we are, the people who've been on the receiving end of that.
0: Yeah. I, I, there was this, um, I don't remember where it was, was a documentary or something that I watched where a pastor, I believe he was a priest actually went to a very, uh, I want to say San Francisco, but it could be somewhere else. It was an area that was um, heavily influenced by LGBTQ culture and, Uh, It had a very heavy drag culture there. Uh, Heavy is the wrong word, but, you know, influential or whatever. And he set up a, they were having tons of events and so forth. I don't know if it was a, a month or whatever, but he set up this like makeshift confessional booth. It was just this big old cardboard refrigerator box or something like that. And I don't remember the exact wording and everything, but basically it was set up so that people could come in and hear him confess to them all the things that the church had done wrong and ask for forgiveness by, you know, a person in that position from maybe even God, if that's what they needed.
1: Yeah. And so maybe what we're seeing here is there's going to be different elements of where we're going, right? I really do think that in some way that honest and, uh, deep repentance has to be part of it. But I also think that you don't want, I don't think that's all we would need to do. Right. Cause like, if people are hurt, you do need to repent, but you can't just say, I'm sorry and move on to the next person. Right, you right. know? Um, I think that's the starting point, but then I think like you're talking about is how do we serve people? And so maybe what we're talking about is more of some kind of I don't think charity is the right word, but like organization or ministry maybe um, that works to not, only, maybe it's not even just doing them ourselves. So that too is maybe it's trying to work with churches or people um, to inspire that in them. I don't know what that would look like. Cause if you go to a church and say, let us come speak at your church, great. What do you want to speak about? We want to speak about how you've done everything wrong and you need to say <laughs> sorry for it, right? Like. That'd be a tough one, not, yeah. It's probably not what you would do, but I don't know like it feels more like that also has more potential to grow outside of just one location, um especially with the internet and and all of that, and um especially these days where you can't really gather please don't gather together in large groups, you know, um yeah. at least for a while. so I don't know, what do you think about that like is that kind of uh, on the I mean, I'm sure it's on the list of possibilities, but is that what do you think about that?
0: Yeah, I like that a lot. I like that idea quite a bit. Uh, How do we help people, um, especially communities? So let me back up. I like that a lot. I guess what goes through my brain right away is I've been in the church as a worker for three years, and I know enough by now to say that some people will see this as a quick fix outreach type thing hmm um it's like and, the people who will
1: say sorry to you but then they don't intend to change anything
0: right yeah. and it's not like we can really i mean we could do our best to weed those those kinds of churches out so that you know we're not wasting our time there necessarily i don't know if that sounds really great to say but you, you know what i mean it's <laughs> it's fine yeah that's not what we're going to put our emphasis on uh, there'll still be people that kind of show us that they're trying to do that, but then fail. And that would be perfectly acceptable. I mean, it'd be disappointing, but that's just what would happen. Um, I think there are, however, churches and individuals, especially groups of people who would welcome the idea of how do we do this? We say we want to fix these things and doing it from the top down doesn't seem to really work. Um, right. So, how do we do this in our own lives? How do we do this in our own churches as you know ministries that are guided this way? Um, I think there's a there's a strong hunger for that, but I don't know it's still I think we're still bumping into at least in my brain we're bumping into the uh, expectations and the realities of what church looks like right now and it'd be hard for people to get through there. And it'd be very like, for me, it would be upsetting to see that people do that kind of stuff and then use that as a way to strengthen their cred, if you will, to build their church up even more Mm -hmm. or to uh, do that and then find out that it fails, you know, just like every programmatic approach does is like, we're going to try this and see if it actually works. I think that's one of the dangers and I went straight to the negative. I apologize, but that is the Um, danger I thought of.
1: Well, and I think we should say too, is I don't envision something like that. Like we're not exterminators either. So like the goal is not to smash churches who won't do these things or, you know, like say bad things about them outside of on the podcast. No. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah. Like, so and maybe that I think that might be why. Like, this isn't quite it either. It almost feels like we're trying to do something that's going to be a Frankenstein of a lot of different things. Um, but that's okay right now because we're not writing a grant proposal, you know. Um, yeah,
0: I think so. The value of that kind of uh, let's let's just say partnering with other churches, so that way we can kind of know what we're talking about. If we partner with other churches um, or churches, period, uh, I think that probably comes after some practice and some development of what that really looks like. It feels Mm -hmm. very much like uh, we're still in the experimental part of this, and we don't have a lot of, I mean, we know a lot of what not to do type things, Mm -hmm. But what to do, we don't have, you know, we have a much longer list of the well, former rather than the latter. Yeah, because most of the things not to do are things
1: we or people we know have experienced at some point, and they've been shitty, to yeah. say the least,
0: right? Um, So maybe to circle back, maybe I was taking us too far into, you know, little little things that we can do, either gimmicky or not, but maybe it's Right now, it's a place where um, whatever we do concretely has a component where we kind of test the waters and see where other people are, affirm that it's okay, you're you're still Christian, you're still Lutheran, you're still a Pentecostal, you're still whatever. Um, And there's a place where you can explore this. Hmm.
1: Yeah. Because, like, at the same time, when we said, or I said, or we said earlier, that, like, say, for example, a church doesn't feel like enough because the problem's bigger than that. It doesn't mean that we, I mean, of course, we'd start small with whatever we did. That's how things start. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. You know, so, yeah. Well, wasn't there anything else besides a church or a ministry slash organization? Like, did we have any other things that have been kind of burning around in our brains um, at this stage of things?
0: The one that I kind of think might help us actually do this, it's got its problems. But, you know, I'm not thinking sequentially, like we do this, then we do a church, then we do a ministry. Because who knows
1: how that part will work.
0: But given the limitations that we have, given that we're focusing on... Uh, Naming the problem, if you will, asserting that it's okay, and trying to empower people to do reformation work. Hmm. Maybe, Maybe the place to start is with an online community. Maybe the place to start is having somewhere online where people can go to talk these things out. Maybe we have uh, you know, the practice, uh, we, we start to practice these things. Like instead of doing it for sermon prep, we have a Bible study where we just come to a text. We're reading through the Bible at my church, and we are starting at the beginning, and this was the second week. So we had chapter 19 of Genesis, which is just a delightful chapter of Lot um, being, you know, in the Sodom, Gomorrah, and... Did you
1: read those chapters too?
0: yeah we read them all we're reading straight through everything wow. and then what what you know what his daughters do at the end of the chapter oh shit! it's, it's uh, wild you know what if we had a conversation I, I we don't have to jump into the deep end like that but we could have a conversation about chapter 19 because it's a really tough chapter we bring a lot to it i don't know it seems like maybe online is a little bit and a little bit more flexible and allows for Uh, a further and more concrete exploration of this stuff so are you talking about like you know facebook
1: groups or church doesn't have to suck subreddits or i mean like is that that, i'm being somewhat facetious but i mean that kind of thing you're envisioning and some kind of component where we uh, do figure out how to do some kind of virtual things together too
0: Yeah, I think so. I think that's what I'm envisioning. Um, You know, this isn't a plug to join our Facebook page or anything like that, but.
1: uh, Not, not, anyway.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, definitely. I think that would be something we could do. You know, we could do Facebook uh, groups, but we could also, uh, they just have a new thing with Facebook too, that we could use. Um,
1: I'm still kind of boycotting Facebook, but maybe I can modify it a little bit
0: but it could be youtube as well uh right now i mean everything's online people are used to it maybe it's an opportunity for us to do zoom and get that going uh there's just lots of things that we the tools are kind of endless it would just depend on how we would go about that but i think before getting into the weeds with that does that sound like uh conceptually that that would be where we're sort of landing, maybe if we're not there completely yet.
1: I think that given where you and I are right now and where I think most of the people who listen to this podcast are, and honestly just where the whole damn world is right now, like that seems not, I, I don't want to say the easiest. But what I more mean is that seems the more natural way to go while we're still trying to figure things out. Right. Um, Because part of that, whatever that looks like, would be us doing exactly that. And hopefully, it would also be people who are not just you and me trying, uh, you know, giving input on this. Um, Because, well, I guess you and I kind of already do that. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Right. So I guess, yeah, I think so. I think we'd have to figure out where that would start too. Um, But I think that also has good potential to develop into other things whatever those things may be. And it's um, also very flexible to start over should that be required. You know what I mean? Like there's just a lot of flexibility there. um, A lot of freedom that is probably important for where we're at in this kind of thing.
0: It sounds like to me, what we're really grappling with is where do we start with this? Because Uh it seems like we've been hinting at this and dancing around it where we ultimately want to be is some, some sort of transformative ministry, whether that's a church and something else, whether it is that something else, but it sounds like the concrete thing is let's have a transformative ministry of some sort that we build towards.
1: Yeah. And I think it it kind of fits with our whole thing of where, I mean, we're, the whole thing is about exploring and flexibility and forgiveness and all that. So, like, I think this kind of thing lends itself much better to that than just trying to start a church somewhere, you know, partly because I also don't want to live in your state and you don't want to live in my state.
0: So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> we'd have to go somewhere else. <laughs> well, and, you know, we've got that whole we're not your mother's church type problem, which is. But if if the church serves a different purpose rather than being the transformation it could help the transformation right yeah then there could be something else that we do with that that idea of a concrete brick and mortar or non brick and mortar church right.
1: Well because like something like that could also be helpful like a church I mean at some point in some way even if it wasn't exactly like we say we want I think something like that might also help people who not only just not are not our age, right? But I think some people, we still have some people who don't recognize or don't admit that there's a problem. And yeah. I'm more concerned with the people who don't recognize rather than don't admit, <laughs> right? right. Um, and maybe something that's more familiar to them is easier to transition with. I don't know. Uh, but again, that's more of the where we may get at some point rather than what we're trying to do right now.
0: Yeah. So if we're talking about bringing about a transformation uh, that is a bit more concrete than we've ever been, Mm -hmm. Um, a transformational ministry, asking the question, where do we start? seems to me like the answer has been, let's create an extension to this podcast. This is where I think it could go Mm -hmm. Uh, an extension of the podcast. So if we talk about a certain subject we start to have people we invite people to do that and they start to you know talk about it with them and their friends and we bring it online um, to have that conversation whether that's through discord nights where we would talk online whether that I I think it'd be a combination of a lot of those tools of here's a food for thought YouTube type uh, production Mm -hmm. and more uh, and that would be what we dedicate ourselves. And I think initially it'd be kind of slow. Like this is what we dedicate ourselves to talking about for this month or this quarter. Um, and then if it were to pick up steam, then we could talk about things a bit more. Well, talk about more things, right? Maybe. And I mean, but.
1: maybe maybe it would start with something like gathering people together to share stories like we've been doing on the podcast, you know, and I I don't think that's what it should be forever. Although there's probably a place for that as people, you know, join or whatever. But I think maybe that, maybe that's even a good place for us to start. Of like,
0: yeah, not so much
1: in a emotional voyeurism kind of way. Uh, You know, it's not that we need to hear people's pain necessarily, although we can, and that might help. Right. And it's not like therapy that I'm talking about. It's more just about, I think, giving people space to like create and craft and present their narratives in the way that they need to, I think, which has been missing for most of us in our church or spiritual existence, right? We've been given narratives that we have to live as, follow, believe, and then for whatever reason, we don't. We can't. We aren't, you know? And maybe part of what we start with is something like that.
0: Yeah, I was thinking the, uh, so NPR, I listen to NPR whenever I do listen to the radio. Usually I listen to podcasts, but NPR has this wonderful program called uh, The Moth. Have you heard of that? I think that's what called it's the what? called. Sorry. The oh, Moth. I've
1: heard of that. Um, Daniel's really into that. He uh, He's, yeah, so I've heard of it. I haven't listened to it in detail myself.
0: So it's uh, it's an hour on NPR where they let people share stories for them for uh, all sorts of things, whether that is uh, with racial injustice that they've experienced all the way down to, you know, a little craft that they do and how that's brought meaning to them in their lives. Uh, we could have something akin to that, like a religious moth. It wouldn't have to be as vulnerable and so forth as that. But, you know, we could do that through Discord or through Zoom or whatever. And I, I really like yeah. that idea. Let people have a, a moment to share those stories. Yeah, and, that, in
1: whatever way and depth yeah. they want or need to. Right. Maybe it's right. at the beginning, or maybe always, it's just like, Hey, my name is Margaret, I guess. And, you know, I experienced some really bad stuff in my church and I was hurt and I, you know, I'm trying to sort that out. And maybe that's all Margaret says at the beginning, you know, like it's not, it's not so we can write a book and send it off somewhere. It's just like giving people freedom and space, like we've talked about, to really figure out what they need to say, do to heal you know how they need to express themselves or maybe it's not even healing maybe they're there to um you know maybe there are people who haven't experienced as much of this themselves but they want to help people who have i'm skeptical Mm -hmm. because i think most of us probably have experienced that but i'm just saying it doesn't have to be all here's the bad stuff that happened to me it could be something else but i think it's just starting with so who are we right as people even and especially if we've been told we can't be those people in whatever way and however that's been told to us.
0: Do we see that kind of connectivity between people in Scripture?
1: You mean wherein people use a story to, like, I'm not sure. I I know what you mean, but I'm not sure what you mean. Like, what are we looking for in Scripture specifically?
0: Uh, So I think what we're looking for is... You know, one of the ways that we typically think about people talking in the church is an ex, uh, oh, I forget where it is, but Paul, uh, and he goes and sees the tomb of the unknown soldier. No, not that. The other one, the unknown. Oh, yeah, uh, the
1: Areopagus or whatever. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so, you know, usually the narrative with that is uh, Paul did his research, he looked around and he found the Achilles heel and he went That's in. not what, and,
1: not what we're talking know, about, yeah.
0: Right. So is there an opposite of that? I wonder if it's Peter when he's talking to the Gentiles after his vision, mm. because even though there's not a lot there in terms of what that, conversation was like the reality that Peter would have a conversation with Gentiles and then change his mind about right. something yeah I think there's something there uh and it's not quite what we're going at but it's pretty close I think yeah I mean Peter's whole journey through especially
1: through the book of Acts uh, gotcha um is one of this kind of thing right I mean he's the guy who denied Christ and then the first one that well, not the first one Christ appeared to, but the one Christ looked for, you know. Um, And then he does his sermon in Acts 2, where he basically rips them all a new one, you know. Um, And then he goes through, like you said, and and you just see, it's almost like an identity building that he goes through throughout that account. I feel like there is a good example of this somewhere, but it's not coming. I mean, Peter's okay, but I feel like there's probably one that's closer. But I can't. I think it's hard because the kind of thing we're looking for is not. I'm not saying they didn't know about narratives. Obviously, they knew about narratives. But like,
0: <sighs> what about Jesus has a confrontation? Jesus, has one uh, or two, and yes, the Because <laughs> there's the public way that he talks to the Pharisees. Mm-hmm. And then there's one where he invites a Pharisee into the home or the Pharisee invites Mm him. What do they talk about? Generally. Yeah. It's the whitewashed tombs, I Mm -hmm. think. Luke chapter 7. Luke 7. So, yeah. I don't think that's actually whitewashed tombs, is it? It's uh, starting at verse 36. Uh, 36 says, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus. Oh, this is with Mary.
1: Mary Magdalene, I mean. Or she puts the perfume on his feet, right? or no okay i got gotcha. you when they invited he went and a woman who lived a sinful life learned that jesus was eating at the pharisee's house so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume mm-hmm. yeah
0: but then they talk that starts at verse 40 "Simon i have something to say to you teacher speak he said" and he gives this parable hmm
1: there's something in all these but i'm not sure how to bring it together
0: yeah <laughs> I mean it's it's sort of there it's just
1: because we're kind of looking at for someone who has had their entire identity switched because someone gave or god or jesus gave them the space to do so right um helped them do so and so like yeah. i mean on, on one hand you could say paul right because here we have saul who ravaged the church God appears to him in the sky, right? Blinds him, sends someone to help him out, and then name change takes place, right? Mm -hmm. Or what about, well, I say, what about Jacob? It's always Jacob with me, Um, (laughs) you know, because of the name change and the grappling and all that too. But I don't know, all of that's not really what we're talking about.
0: I think, think at least for a starting point, John 4 is a really good example of how Jesus... Reasons and talks with somebody and gives them that room i I think that I don't think there's any way around that. uh Jesus is very soft in this mm-hmm. he doesn't say you know he doesn't call anybody a sinner or anything here. He is helping her discover what she already feels is going on,
1: yeah, I wish it told us more about her. Because all we know is that, you know, she tells all her friends, many Samaritans believe she's, in, she's the first one who hears the secret, right? Um, she's the first okay. one Jesus tells. Uh, and they say, we now know that this man is the savior of the world, but I wish it would tell us more about, so what happens to her, right? Does she, does her life change? Not because I, I want to know if she was still sinning or not. I just mean like what happens after that? I mean, you'd think it would have to, wouldn't it? <laughs> not not whether, I, I don't mean she had to go stop sleeping with somebody or whatever it is she was doing, because I think that's kind of what it implies. Um, but more of like, so how did that change your heart? And what, what happened after that? And by that, I mean that, that kind of encounter with Jesus, what does that do to a person? Like, what must that have been like? And it doesn't tell us that.
0: We might not get a personal change, but verses 39 through 42, I mean, the whole region changes, Hmm. you know, it gets a little weird and religious at the end in terms of what we're talking about here, but it's still a change. It's a change of that region. It's a change in where, you know, uh, it wouldn't be expected that Jesus would go because it's Samaritan country.
1: Right. In fact, they actively avoided it usually.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Which is what brings about the confrontation at the beginning. I just wish
1: it didn't say the part about the sinful life for what we're doing. Not that the story shouldn't say that, right? Because that's you know, that that does kind of set the stage for what he says and does.
0: Um Does he say that though?
1: No, I think John says that to us, doesn't he? Let's see. I mean he says go and tell your husband and come back, which makes her say, I have no husband, and you know, you're right. <laughs>
0: verse 18 has been interpreted uh the the sinful sexual way Mm -hmm. because of our um roots (laughs) yeah because but could have had five husbands died death, and the man she's with now isn't right her husband doesn't say i don't believe Um, that you are with is indicating what it does in our culture well
1: it's not enough to say that it is it could be but we don't know that we just assume it because so maybe what we're trying to say is we want there to be space for that kind of encounter to happen but regardless of what she was or wasn't doing that's not the point right? right we're not talking about people need to confess things I guess unless they want to but more of the idea that like he, Jesus will talk to anyone about anything. Yes. And that's what we want to do. We will talk yeah. and listen to anyone about anything without trying to like, cause you're right. He never says he says you, you have no husband, what you said is quite true, but he never says anything about um, sin. Right. He doesn't no. call her out for it in that sense. That's how we've read it. But what I'm point I'm trying to make is like, he went there clearly for on purpose, right? He picked her out specifically and she leaves that encounter changed much for the better as one of the first, I guess, as the first apostle in a sense, right? Um, And it's in John's account, certainly because Jesus went to her specifically. Yeah. And that's the kind of thing we're doing is not that we're Jesus, but we want to help make a space where people can have that kind of encounter. That kind of healing,
0: you know, yeah, verse ten is the one that uh, verse uh, nine and ten is the one that really draws me to this is because there the Samaritan woman asks, "Why are you talking to me as a Jewish man?" Uh-huh. And Jesus says, "Wait a second, um I'm more than a Jewish man. If you knew what was going on here." you'd be thrilled to have this conversation. Well, and then yeah. she does, well, right?
1: I mean, he talks about living water, which I know there's a lot wrapped up in that, but yes. sometimes we overcomplicate that. And it's just like, imagine if you needed to go to the well every day and you know the water runs out, you get thirsty again. But Jesus says, with this water that I give you, living water, it's never going to be dry again.
0: Yeah. And I
1: think so many of us have, just to fit with the biblical imagery, been journeying through the desert, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. round and round in circles. Uh, you know, we can compare that to Israel or not, because that was kind of their own fault. But my point is, we've been wandering in the wilderness. I think that's where, how we got to this kind of podcast, right? Around the yeah. frontier, we've talked about jungles or new paths or whatever. And And I mean, gosh, that's thirsty work. Yeah. And I I don't know about you but even still sometimes I just you know you get so weary you get so tired of wondering am I insane or are they right have I am I somehow wrong and sinful or whatever it is and it's exhausting and and then I think about Jesus going to this woman and giving her a drink and not just regular old water right the water that changed her life.
0: Yeah. I think that's a really good one to be at. I think that's the story that resonates the most with me. Yeah, it's Peter too. It's it's all the other ones we kind of touched on, but that one seems very striking in terms of Jesus. I, I'll just say it again. Jesus is very soft here. He's not preachy. He is not anything other than saying. I am who I am. I want you to be who you are as we talk and gives room for that.
1: Right. Right. And to someone who he shouldn't have gone to. Yes. You know, someone who was marginalized and oppressed. And, you know, maybe, maybe she was sleeping with those men, but maybe it was because she had no other choice because she lived in a society that was the way it was, you know? So, anyway, I think. I think that's kind of the idea we're getting at here is like, we want there to be space for that kind of transformation to take place. And so that other people can participate in whatever way that a person needs them to, right? And maybe that's big and maybe that's small. Maybe it's just reading their post or listening to them talk. But the idea that it doesn't have to be the way it's been for so long, I don't think. I think what we're looking for is a place where, not to get too spiritual here, but where we can get some of that living water, um, however that looks for each individual person.
0: And I think if we intentionally work at creating a space for that, then I think that tackles a lot of the issues we brought up at the beginning of how it doesn't feel like it's enough. It doesn't feel like, you know, it feels very programmatic to just do a church. Mm -hmm. It feels kind of like we're not ready to do things in terms of equipping others to figure this out. Um, This is something that's pretty tangible and pretty life-affirming in the life-giving water sense of saying, hey, you've been hurt by the church, so have we. Come, let us talk about that and see that our God is bigger than that. And that it is in the exploration of those pains that we find the life that he has given to us together, but also the life that he gave to this woman at the well as she figures out who he is and has that hope and honest conversation as honest and open as it could be in that day and age.
1: I think I think what I, I'm hearing, what I think we're looking for is so many of the problems and abuses and Bad things that have happened to all of us. I think a lot of it stems from a total lack of empathy. You know, the inability or refusal to put yourself in someone else's shoes. And I think we're looking for a space where people can experience empathy. Like in in my work as a chaplain, I, I learned and I am still learning a lot about the difference between sympathy and empathy. Right? If I go to someone who's dying and say, "I'm really sorry you're dying," well great right that doesn't doesn't help very much now i'm not going to be dying with them but it's the idea of like how can i be with them where they're at give them space to express what they want to express need to express and come alongside them that way it's like how do i get in the pit with them instead of just giving them a sandwich to steal brene brown's thing because she's the best
0: right um yeah she's amazing
1: i think that's what we're talking about is what do people need to heal from some of this stuff besides you know, therapy and such things that we can't do? I think they need people to be there with them as much as you can with somebody else to, to know that they've probably felt alone for a long time and that they don't have to be anymore.
0: So it sounds like what well, goes through my mind is there are four things that we can do Um one, we're already doing, we'll do this podcast, we'll have those conversations on on the air for folks, but we'll also talk about this project as we go, um, and we'll talk about those topics. Um, all that into one is one thing that we can do. Another is to extend that podcast into the conversation, um, whatever we end up calling it, that'll be kind of like the moth on uh, the frontier. Hmm where we have those conversations um, on on a platform, such as Discord, or Zoom, or YouTube Live, or whatever it is, have those conversations and, and encourage that space in that room.
1: Right, and some of that will be our own stories, like Nate's and mine, and some of that, we don't have concrete plans yet, but we're going to try and have some more opportunities like we had last week with Bobby or like we did with Trevor of um, getting some more stories out there. We just don't know how that's going to look yet. So we're still figuring it out, but yeah, that, that idea too. Uh,
0: I think a third thing would be to um, provide resources and help people. Um, Cause awareness is a big thing here, especially if you're, quote-unquote trapped within a church or a tradition that generally pushes this down. Some awareness that other people are in the same boat, that other people have had the same thoughts, and other people have thought about the same things, and producing some sort of content for that. Mm -hmm. I think that that's part of it. And then the fourth one is really how do we get people to know what's going on here not for the sake of growth but for the sake of including them in the conversation
1: yeah i mean if this helps two people it was worth it right um hopefully it, it helps more than that but i mean the point is not to start a movement the point is to help people i think right and i know that may, that might be different than what i said earlier i don't care that that's where we're landing <laughs> now in the sense of like anybody it helps in any way is worth all of our time that we Yours and whoever's, mine, you know.
0: Yeah. My my thought on it is that I think, if I were to guess, the people who are interested in our podcast, and then as we do these other things, are interested in those, they probably know more people like them well. than they Realize, I, I think
1: so. I mean, like <laughs> just from my own anecdotal experience, I don't think I've met, I've met very few gay men who were not involved in the church at some point in their lives. I mean, I'm yeah. sure they exist, but yeah, it's not just, it's not just me. It's not with other stuff. It's not just Nate. I mean, it's, it seems to be all of us. And I guess the point is not so much to attack the people who hurt us, but the point is to begin the process that we need to uh, right well maybe you know just to to start healing that's all
0: yeah and then hopefully it brings us to a place and i think ryan and i we go there every once in a while of okay well what about the boomers Mm -hmm. that have hurt us or what about these other people who've done things how can we how can we show them the same love that we wanted from them yeah and that's definitely a question
1: because you know uh, Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. But I was going to say, some of them have—I mean, many of them have experienced the same exactly. thing they did, and there's just not been an avenue to talk about it or even accept it in themselves because of yeah. some really bad things that generation was taught by their parents, um, you know. And so, I, I think this could be a very big bus, and if we run out of room, we'll rent another one. <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> there's, there's anyone who wants to be on this, it doesn't have to be young people or or whatever. It's just, I think this is the kind of work that Jesus does. Um, he goes to the people who are hurting, right? It's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. Um, and that's not said in a way to say that there's something wrong with us. It's more of like, no, we've been wounded and we need to heal. That, that's that's what we're getting at. And so that's who we should go to. and be with each other. So,
0: yeah. As we do that, we see other people are hurting too, because as I said, and you agreed, there are probably a lot more people in our lives that share this than, yeah. we, than we would realize without looking. It does require some looking, because we're all very good at hiding within our heritage, our churches, and so forth of Hey, and I think that's part of what's going on with boomers is they're so used to this. It's like we've gotten used to the abuse and the problems and so on and so forth. I mean, abusive relationships tend to do that to people. Yeah. You know. And so uh, where can we find that? And the whole point of this last little piece is, you know, that community aspect. Uh, Yeah, we want to have resources. We want to have opportunities for people to talk. But I think in order for this to actually develop into something and and first of all, to be something, it has to be a place where we welcome people into some sort of community where we're connecting with each other and we know each other because we have to, I think we have to be known in order for any of this to really make sense and to work. Right. So as we develop this project, uh, today was probably the most obvious that we don't know what we're doing. I've said that before, but this one was certainly really obvious.
1: Somebody, Nate, somebody said it's okay not to know.
0: (laughs) And uh, I I really like where we got. We had some concrete, tangible ideas, and frankly, we'll need some help with them. If you're listening to this and this has resonated with you, uh, we really want to reach out and... If you want to be somebody who tells a story, if you want to be somebody who listens to stories, just let us know. Uh, And we'll get into how you can do that in just a bit. But I want to give that summary so that way, since we did flounder a little bit, uh, that way we're clear. Um, As we talked about this, we talked about maybe starting a church, starting an organization that helped um, others. But we realized that we're probably not ready for either of those for lots of reasons, but most especially because doesn't seem quite right for where we are right now. What seems right for us, at least at the recording of this podcast, (laughs) um, is that the best place to start is to do something uh, together online um, and through the connections we have. And we came up with the four things that we would like to do. We would like to, of course, continue this podcast. And talk about those things. We would also like to extend this podcast in the two ways that we're trying to communicate on this podcast. The first is to share those stories of what makes this journey what it is, what makes this life on the frontier what it is, whether that is to share some vulnerability or to share a struggle, a thought project even, as we've done. Uh, to have something like the moth is what we're talking about we'll call it something different of course but where we open up and we kind of talk about those things that you're not supposed to talk about whether they're deeply personal or they're just something you've always wanted to ask and talk about that'd be part of that'd be their our, our second thing our third thing would be to continue but encourage some content Outside of what we talk about, of course, it'd be related to it. So, as we talked about, let's say, uh, Jesus Christ, the one day, we could ask, uh, you know, just as an example, we could ask Bobby, hey, uh, what do the creeds tell us about who Jesus is? That struggle. Maybe he can give us something for food for thought. Uh, and then finally, the fourth one is we really want to create a community of sorts. We don't know what that looks like, of course just yet. But for us to really do any of this, we have to be known and know that we're known and that we're cared for and we're loved, that this is a safe space and a place where we can explore. So we have those four things. We have the podcast, we have the moth uh, religious thing, we have more content, we have the community. And, uh, you know, I wish we could say, hey, we figured that out and here's the package and we're going to deliver it here in a couple of weeks. But
1: it's not really um, how we've done things on,
0: well, no, it's, not. it's not how you
1: and me do things kind of in general, but
0: <laughs> that's right.
1: Or I hope it feels more like we're that if you're listening, you're kind of working through this with us together. That That's the goal. Anyway, it's, yeah. we, we want this to be not just two dudes, um, you know, pontificating about everybody else's lives. It's just kind of how we've discovered. And we hope that you've been able to discover that those things with us. So as always, we, we do want to hear from you and, you know, about anything, it can be feedback about the show or whatever. But I think especially if you'd like to share some part of your story, um, not necessarily to ever be shared on the podcast, but uh, maybe it might help you to just tell somebody some small part of it. It's great. We'd love to hear it. Or maybe it's a question you have, something you'd like us to talk about at some point. Um, we'd just love to hear from you. You can email us at FrontierFaithPodcast at gmail.com, and we really would like to hear from you. If you can also uh, give us a rating on whatever app you use to listen to podcasts, preferably a five-star one, because that would be really good. Um, That just helps more people hear about what we're doing. Just one last well, one and a half last things before we go is uh, I wanted to give you another resource, another book that I just finished that I found really helpful. It's uh, it's about the Bible. So it's it's really for, you're going to get more out of it if you are uh, re-examining how you've been taught about the Bible and how you've been taught about what it means to believe in Jesus and what, what belief is. It's called The Sin of Certainty, and it's by Peter N's, Enns, It's If you have Kindle Unlimited, it's actually where I got it. It doesn't cost you anything, but uh, other than what you pay Amazon every month. <laughs> but um, it's a great book. He has a podcast too, which has been really good, called The Bible for Normal People. It's usually pretty good for that. Sometimes it's more than probably normal people want to hear. But Anyway, that book, I think, can really help with some stuff, especially related to Scripture and a lot of the ways that I think we've been taught that have been not helpful. So, um, yeah, check it out.
0: Along with that, if you're somebody – now, I'm the complete opposite of Ryan. He goes for accessible. I go for philosophical. So, if you're like me and you want something really philosophical and even scandalous, it's got the flair of of continental philosophy – there's this wonderful book by Peter Rollins. I'm just trying to read more of him because it's just very fascinating. Peter Rollins wrote a book called The Idolatry of God, which, you know, of course, scandalizes you right away. But the subtitle is Breaking Our Addiction to Certainty and Satisfaction. Mm-hmm. And it is well worth the read, kind of in line with what Ryan said. I would say read Ryan's book first mm-hmm. because it'll be accessible and great. Um, if you're more of the philosophical bent, that's where where that book comes in by Peter Rollins. Yeah.
1: So check those out if you get a chance, let us know what you think. Um, we just hope that they're helpful to you. Some other resources besides just Nate and I talking, there's lots out there. it's just, I found that it's been helpful to pass them on when I find them. So summing all of it up today, we're really glad you listened and you're you're with us on this journey, whatever that looks like for you. And, you know, we we recognize how hard that is, how, like we were saying earlier, how lonely that can be. And so I just hope that you hear today that you don't have to be totally alone anymore. In whatever way all of us can be, we want to be with you. And we'll figure that out going forward. You know, we're all gonna kind of walk in the dark some together. And I'm looking forward to doing that and it'll be okay. I haven't said that for a while, but I promise it'll be okay. <laughs>